Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. This morning, I thought we would um, delve into, and over the next couple of weeks that we delve into, what it means to be the church and what it means to be community together. We are a community of Jesus followers who are bringing life to the city in all that we say and all that we do. What does that look like for us, Vineyard Cleveland, in Parma Heights, Cleveland, today, in today's day and age? And so I want to shed a little light on like why it is we do what we do and who we are as a community over the next couple of weeks. Does that sound all right? Okay, so we get a really clear picture of who the church is if we turn to Acts 2 and and Acts 4 as well. And so I wanted us to um, read this together. If you have your Bibles and you wanted to turn to Acts, the book of Acts chapter 2, this clear picture of how the early church did life together, sharing this common life together. And we're going to be in verse 42 through 47. And then we'll jump to Acts 4, 32 through 35. And if you wanted to follow along, we'd encourage that. We love God's word at Vineyard Cleveland. We believe that God's word is truth and life and breath to our, both our, our hearts and our minds that, um, that God shows us Jesus in the scriptures and the Holy Spirit empowers us through the reading of his word. And so I wanted to read Acts 2, 42 through 47. You're welcome to join along and read along, or maybe you just wanted to sit and close your eyes and take a deep breath and let the words read you. That's fine as well. Acts 2, 42 through 47. They, the church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone... was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Acts 4, 32 through 35. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. What a radically challenging, encouraging, um, inspiring picture of who the church is called to be. 
Just get such a pure look. And I know, I know, people are people are people are people. That church, however radically different and inspiring and challenging they were to the culture around them, they had their problems as well. People are people. But what a beautiful picture of who Jesus has called the church to be. And we, Vineyard Cleveland, are a part of that legacy. We are a part of that narrative. And today, in Cleveland, 2022 and beyond, we are a part, a direct descendant of this picture of church that we just read. It's such an honor to be in, to be a link in the chain, so to speak. And so many times when we read a picture like this in Acts 2, we're, we're talking about the church and we're not, we're not talking about a building. How many of you know, maybe through being discipled by Instagram or Facebook, you know, uh, Jane or Joe Blogger says the church is not a building, it's a people. Well, Jane or Joe Blogger is correct. The church is not a building. The church is a people. Peter says in 1 Peter 2.5, you yourselves, Vineyard Cleveland, like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The church is not a building. The church is a people. Can we all agree upon that? You are the temple of God. The Jews of old had to go to the temple, had to go to the tabernacle. Now, in the person of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the temple has come to you. You are the temple. You are the church. All of the sacrifices, all of the blessing of the temple in the Old Testament is yours by the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit raising him from the grave to the highest place at the Father's right hand, sending the Holy Spirit, you are the temple of God. You are living stones. You're being built one upon the other. You are the church. The church is not a building. Now be that as it may, the people are not a people if they're never in the building. Did you catch that? The people are not a people if you're never there. Showing up matters. Now, when I first came to Cleveland, and I was a fiery young preacher, some of you are like, you're still pretty young, Evan. When I was a fiery young preacher, I said, Sundays don't matter. It doesn't matter whether you're in the building or not. As long as you're taking it to the streets, and we're seeing healing, and we're seeing people come to know Jesus. And that's true. But I feel like it devalued so many in the room about the sacrifices that they made just to be here. Do you know that there are folks here this morning that have driven an hour, an hour and 15 minutes just to be together as one with you? Do you know how many churches, buildings that the Nugent family passes on their way from Ashtabula just to be here with you this morning? And I know some of your stories are similar 
Whether you're coming from Parma Heights right down the street, whether you're coming from Medina or Brunswick or Lakewood or Strongsville or Willoughby or wherever you're coming from, being here, we miss you when you're not here. It matters that you're here this morning. It ma- your presence matters. When you show up on Sunday mornings, it matters. It matters just as much as how you show up in the world from Monday through Friday. One no important than the other. I've shifted in my thinking on that. The Lord got a hold of me and said, it matters that people show up on Sunday morning. Our large gathering matters a lot to him. And when you're not here, we can't be all that we're called to be. And I'm not saying we miss you as a form of manipulative or um, guilt-ridden. Please, please hear my heart. Sarah and I love you very much. And so when I look you in the eye and you ramble on on Sunday morning about, I was, I'm so sorry I wasn't here last week. I'm so sorry I had this going on. My brother, I, I, I... Know that you will not ever receive judgment from me. And that's why I say, and you guys will nod your head who I've said this to before, I'm just glad to see you this morning. Because it matters that you're here. It matters. And we can't be all that we're called to be without you. We miss you. Not the guilt kind of miss, like you should show up more often. But we love you. We miss you. Okay? When we show up for one another, our lives get transformed. You know, it's true when, when I find this in my life, when I don't show up, I never have enough time. When I start, <laughs> flip it on its head, when I start showing up, I find that there's time to become and to do all that God has called me to do and become. Test it. Test it out. When you start showing up for one another, you'll have all of the time that you need to be and do all that God has created you to do and to be. On this earth, for your life, forever and ever, amen. But when we don't show up, we never have enough time, it seems, to get things done or to be the type of people we wish to become. It may seem tough. It may seem tough. It may feel close. You have all these things swirling in your life. We've got sports. We've got ER bills. We've got all of this stuff swirling in our lives. But when we commit to showing up, we find that Jesus starts permeating all of those different areas and working his grace into all of those different areas of our lives. And we find ourselves at the end of the day, through I'm, I'm telling you, through trial and error, at the end of the day saying, Jesus, you got this. You got this. I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry. Jesus, you got this. Okay. Church is a, a people, not a building. It matters that we show up, show up for each other. In Hebrews, we read, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and towards good deeds, not giving up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So check out a small group today. 
I want to challenge you, if you're not in a small group, or maybe you were in a small group long ago and you haven't been doing that since COVID or since long before COVID, I want to encourage you to show up, whether it's Seeds of Hope on a Saturday or Wednesday night at the Marula's house or Bible study with Sarah Smith, show up at a small group. There's so many different offerings happening this fall. Show up for other people. Show up for yourself. Show up for, um, for your spiritual formation. Show up. Do something good for your soul. And show up. Okay, show up. Okay. <laughs> yeah, when I look out at us, the church... What I see is a a people who love Jesus with their whole hearts, becoming a people who love Jesus with their whole hearts, who are fully devoted to him and to other people, who are bringing the life, the love, and the power of uh, Jesus in ordinary situations in their lives. Devoted to him. It doesn't mean that we all need to think the same way. But there are values that we hold at Vineyard Cleveland as followers of Jesus that are precious to our hearts. Things like compassionate ministry, serving others, not just serving food, but praying for others. The way, it's the way, the culture, the way that you care for others at the Vineyard should always be compassion first. Compassion first, not from a place of positional authority, not from a place of pity, but from a place of gut-wrenching compassion that you love your neighbor as you love yourself. And you see the people who are invisible to the world. Compassionate ministry, uh, experiencing God's presence in worship. Partnering with the Holy Spirit reconciling one to another, the ministry, the service of reconciliation. For us, Vineyard Cleveland, this all begins with the Holy Spirit. It starts with him. This is his church. You are his people. And it starts with the power of the Holy Spirit. And it moves out from there. One of the things that We hold dear here at the vineyard is this idea of centered set in the way that we express Jesus' love to others, in the way that we experience Jesus' love for ourselves. Centered set being the the, um, opposite of a bounded set approach where you're either in or you're out and the box gets ever smaller so you don't even know if you're in or out. Am Am I a Christian? I don't know. Centered set says that there's one huge star in the sky and his name is Jesus. And there's all these little stars around Jesus and by the decisions that you and I make, we're either heading towards Jesus or away from him by our decisions. And it's not really up to us to determine the distance from Jesus' heart that your neighbor is. You cannot know where someone is at with God. The scripture does say, by their fruits, we'll know them. But you cannot know, only the Spirit of God, the Scripture also says that man looks, you and I, we look at the outward appearance, but God penetrates the heart. So folks that you might think are so far away from Jesus are actually right close to his heart. 
And likewise, folks who look like they're doing all of the right things and they're so close and they show up to church every Sunday and they're, they're serving the poor, they may be far from God in their hearts. You don't know. I don't know. And that's freeing. Do you see how freeing that is? And creates space for all of us to try and fail and follow Jesus. You know, we do believe at Vineyard Cleveland that there is a point of conversion when you fall in love with Jesus. But so oftentimes, especially in a post-wherever-we-are-COVID world, it's less like, hey, who wants to come to Jesus after a fire and brimstone message at a revival on Friday night and raise your hand? It's, it's more about this long obedience in the same direction over our lives. That we're saying, we're learning as beginners, we're learning how to posture our hearts before Jesus and say, yes, your kingdom come and your will be done in all things. And how many of you know that that takes a lifetime to develop? So for some, for some, it may be the, the point of conversion may be a dot. It may be, and I don't want to devalue that. But for the greater majority of us, it's more like a line of learning what it means to say yes to Jesus. Yes to Jesus in everything. Okay, so there's centered set. Paul writes this in Romans. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Vineyard Cleveland, we are a people who are filled with and empowered by the Holy Spirit. We're a contemplative people where we learn Jesus' rhythms, where we rest and we act, and we act and we rest. We pick up these rhythms from Jesus, like in Luke, when we read that Jesus often, often, someone say often, often withdrew to lonely places, to be alone, to, to do what? To hear from the Father. John 15, he only did and acted and saw as the Father saw and acted. He withdrew often to lonely places and he prayed. Vineyard Cleveland, we, we, we strive towards living deeply reflective lives. Everything out there in the culture will encourage you not to reflect. Go quickly. Go speedily. Hurry up to the newest deal, the latest gadget, the, the thing that's flashy and shiny. Jesus says, no, slow down. Rest. Pause. Reflect. Breathe. Can we do that? Just, yeah, just chill. Just chill. Mm-hmm. Living deeply reflective lives compelled by Jesus into action, only doing what the Father is doing. And sometimes we get hung up or we get paralyzed because there's so many things we could or should be doing. How many people have a problem saying no? I'm raising my hand. How many people have a problem with saying no to other people? Uh-huh. I wonder what it would, like the whole room. <laughs> I, wonder, <laughs> I wonder what it would look like. I wonder what it would look like if we learned the rhythms of rest and action from Jesus and learned how 
to only do, only see, and only do what the Father is seeing and doing. I wonder how our community would be transformed if we only lived from that place. Would our lives change, I wonder, drastically? I know mine would. Slowing down, hearing God's voice, it allows us to hear what's on his heart for us. You know, the Great Commission doesn't mean that we have to save the whole world. That's freeing. The Great Commission doesn't mean that we have to save the whole world. It means that we simply have to behold the one who did. It's then in his presence that we're able to truly see folks come to fall in love with Jesus, like for real, for real, like not just raising a hand on a Sunday morning, but in it for the long haul kind of follow Jesus, like, like gospel so wedged deep down in our hearts kind of following Jesus, like, like can't wash him off of your hands, like can't erase him from your minds type of following Jesus. Don't we want that? If our prayer is we want to see your kingdom come and your will be done? Don't we want to make those type of disciples instead of trying to make disciples of like, how many people raise their hands on Sunday morning? Oh, we got 42. Awesome. Well, where are they on Monday? Where are they on Monday? Don't we want to be the type of disciples and making disciples who show up to say yes and follow Jesus on Monday? Yeah. Yeah, I know that's what you want. I know that's what you want to see as well. That's our heart, that we're in it for the long haul. And his presence means everything to us here. And it all starts with beholding, just looking at Jesus, just hearing from him. The director of, the national director of the vineyard, Jay Pathak, said this. He said, what makes a church a vineyard church? Here it is, if you were wondering. What makes a church a vineyard church? Is a complete expectancy in God's presence. We believe that God will speak and will move and will do so through anyone and everyone, period, exclamation point, anyone and everyone. God's presence is everything to us. Having his presence means that we're not content to stay the way that we are, but that we are growing, we're pursuing growth, not just in numbers, but in depth as well that we're striving toward him, that we want to know him more, that we constantly take the posture of a beginner, seeking him in prayer just for no other reason than to meet with him, just to meet with Jesus. And it's there we see our lives change. It's there we see our heart motivations and our thoughts change, leaning in towards growth, that we're becoming more and more like Jesus just by being around him and having him in us, in our character that, we, that transforms the way we interact towards one another, our families, our coworkers, our bosses, etc., etc., that we would be marked by Jesus' presence in such a way that we become the type of people who forgive more freely, who love more sacrificially, who show compassion more deeply, who lead with gentle humility, 
that Vineyard Cleveland folks would be known as a people who take responsibility where none is taken in our culture, that we would be a people who are slow to speak and quick to listen, slow to anger, quick to love, a people who would refrain from blaming others and taking part in the blame game, but seeking to engage with our own faults and our own failures in a way that's refreshing to others. It's so refreshing, isn't it, when someone comes up to you and says, I'm so sorry, this has all been my fault. How many times has that happened to you over the course of the past month? We're so quick to blame someone else. Be the type of person who takes responsibility in your Cleveland. I'm sorry, it's my fault. I'm the one to blame for this. No one else. That's so refreshing to other people. Yep, the train's coming in, buddy. The Jesus train. An authentic faith. We're, we're learning what it means to be real people. Authentic articles real together with our struggles and our sins, realizing that being vulnerable doesn't make us weaker. Showing vulnerability is always met with vulnerability in return. If you ask Brene Brown, who's studied shame and vulnerability, it's nine times out of 10 when you choose to be real with your struggle, with your sin, it's met with authenticity, with vulnerability in return. To take risks, and though you've been hurt by that one person, that 10 out of 10, that you still choose to show up in love and say, here are my wounds, here are my scars, this is what I'm going through, I'm gonna be transparent with you, and find grace in return. I wanna be that kind of community. Not putting on a happy face, but sifting through the difficulty to find the activity of God amidst the hardship. I want to be a Browns game type of community. How many of you have gone to see the Browns play at First Center? So you know, when we moved to Cleveland seven years ago, I went to loads of Cavs games, but I didn't go to one Browns game. And sure, Cavs games are great. I'm not hating on the, on, on the Cavs at all. Cavs games are great. And those of you who've been to Browns games are going to 100% agree with the next thing that I say. How many of you know that I wasn't able to see the hearts of the people of Cleveland until I went to a Cleveland Browns game? I have been in so many different situations. I've, I've done outreaches. We've prayed for people on the street. We showed up every Sunday with Cleveland people for years and years. But something clicked when I went to a Browns game and I said, oh, now I, you know, it's like uh, Peter Pan when Robin, the Robin Williams won. He's like, there you are, Peter. Like, there you are, Cleveland. Now I can see you. It's this thing. It's like this beautiful picture of the cross. Don't call me a heretic. Don't do it. It's this beautiful picture of the cross. Don't we sing in the hymn by Isaac Watts? Joy and sorrow flow mingled down. It's not quite a factory of 
shame. When you're in the community, there's this beautiful thing at Browns games where it's been hard in the past. It's been so disappointing. It's been so challenging. And yet there's high points as well. We're, we're coming together in this, in this um, dance of, of loss and love for this team. Like what is, if you don't, if you, when, when we score a touchdown and the people all around you and you don't like give a high five to them, like they look at you like, you don't, you don't know what you're doing. Like, why aren't you giving, why aren't you ready for that? Like, give me a high five. Like, where are you from? Pittsburgh? Like, come on. (laughs) There's this beautiful thing of of joy and sorrow together at Browns games that I, that I wasn't able to truly see the hearts of the people of Cleveland until I experienced that environment. And how many of you know that there's a similarity in who the church is called to be? This beautiful mosaic of folks who know the joy and sorrow of the cross and find community there and offering that to the world. It's like a beautiful picture of it. This authentic way that we still show up, even through loss and disappointment, we still show up, don't we? You have the Browns picture in your head. We still show up. We still cheer one another on. The team, we, we the team on the field, we still suit up. We play the game because we love one another. And we love the Lord. And we still give one another high fives to celebrate wins in others' lives. We're authentic about who we are. We care for the poor. I don't want to read it all. I'm running out of time. Um, Jesus in Mark uh, 10, 46 through 52, he stops and he sees the widow. He stops and he sees, and this is not common to Mark 10, 46 through 52. Jesus is always doing this. He's walking somewhere. He's en route somewhere and he stops and he sees. He stops and he sees. And there's a model in in that for us that the poor, as we care for the poor, the homeless, the hungry, the widow, the orphan, the refugee, that we stop and we see the people who are on the margins of society. Being uh, uh, those types of people, seeing those who are invisible to the world and to the powerful. This is really about compassion. The scriptures say that Jesus sees people, he's moved to his guts with compassion. It's guttural. He feels it. That we would be the type of people to show up in compassion even when it's inconvenient or doesn't feel good to us. Then we're compelled, even when we lack the energy, he'll fill the gap and we become his hands and feet to Parma Heights, to Cleveland, to the nation, to the world who only knows suffering. We're diverse people, Vineyard Cleveland, both socioeconomically and ethnically diverse. This is what I see, that we're a multi-generational people where we find sages who have walked the road before us. It's not uncommon that I walk up to my friend, Mike Lowe, who's in his 70s, and I say, I need some OMW on this one. I, need, I can't see the way. Or I go to Dave Forth. He's well into his 70s. And I say, I need some OMW on this one. I can't see the way forward. OMW, by the way, means old man wisdom. Do you know there's a wisdom possessed by people in their 70s, their 80s, that you cannot know 
unless you ask the question. You know why? And I don't think Mike minds that I say this, is because Mike has been in that same situation and failed seven times before. And finally figured out on that eighth time what the way through was. Where sages and young people learn from one another. At Vineyard Cleveland, where there's a flow of ideas. Young people, we need your energy. Old folks, we need your wisdom. I'm sorry, I'm calling you old. I'm sorry. We need your wisdom. <coughs> We're diverse in that. And in that, we, we practice what heaven will look like. In Revelation 7, 9, we read this. The Apostle John writes, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. We're practicing for heaven when we practice this type of community together. Everybody gets to play. We heard a lot about this from Joel Seymour last Sunday. I know this sounds like a lot, all of this, and we're landing the plane here. This sounds like a lot, it's because it is a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of stuff, I realize that. And that's because all of this stuff wasn't meant for one person to accomplish on their own. It's going to take all of us. This is a time for us to engage. There's room for you here to belong, to use your gifts in order to bring life. From the little boy who shared his lunch that fed over 5,000 people to the woman at the well whose story impacted an entire village to a young Jewish girl in the first century who said yes to God and gave birth to Jesus We know it's true. Everyone gets to play in the story of God. So in closing, I just want to, with all of that being said, I just want to say this all centers in the person of Jesus. It's not Jesus and. We can say all we want. Add all types of catchy slogans. Talk, 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 talk. Talk about it, talk about it. Jesus and this, Jesus and that. But really, this is Vineyard Cleveland. We are about the one thing. About the one thing. One person. This is about Jesus. Jesus lovingly, lovingly intercepting our lives and loving us so powerfully, so unconditionally that we've been compelled to let that love spill out and bring his life to other people. This is only ever about Jesus' kingdom come and his will be done. People who are not only saying, but demonstrating with their lives and actions, with their words and their deeds, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Why don't you join me in standing?